right. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Value Investor Chatter Podcast. My name is Becco and my partner, Hari. Hello. All right, everybody. Welcome back again. And I promised we're going to be back and we are back and we're going to continue this uh, for forever, right? <laughs> yep. We're going to be coming at you with some good content. And today, uh, right, right at the hill, hills of this earnings announcement from Southwest Airlines, we thought it would be a good opportunity to actually talk about the Southwest Airline meltdown that happened over the holidays. So let's just, let's just jump right to it, Hari. Tell us a little bit about Southwest, and most of you know what it is, but for those of you who are listening outside of the country, I know there are a few out there. Hari, can you take us through what they do and then tell us tell us about what happened during the holidays? Yeah, so Southwest Airlines has been around for 50 plus years at this point. Um, they're in uh, domestic uh, and international airlines, uh, but they started out for the longest time as a domestic airline in the United States. And their kind of approach was always a little bit different. They started going between short stops between small cities like Houston and Dallas and Texas. Um, and, you know, they've always kind of stuck to a no flight is longer than two and a half hours. Um, and if you were, if you go back through our archives, you'll listen to us. We talked a lot about how they were very focused on the bottom line. You know, they would only fly 737s. All their pilots could hop between one plane or the other because they were all flying the same planes, unlike, you know, big carriers like Delta and United, you know, that have big planes and smaller planes. Southwest always had a 737. And they also really focused on a lot of sites um, like Long Beach, California or Lubbock, Texas, where there wasn't a lot of airline uh, love, for the lack of a better word, from other, um, you know, from the big carriers. Um, and then they just grew because everybody really liked their model. Um, they were generally very uh, affordable. <clears throat> and so, you know, their um, uh, previous two CV CEOs previous, um, Herb Kellerman was kind of like this idol amongst the, you know, business community because of his great like work ethic. Um, he had, they had a great corporate culture. Uh, employees loved working at Southwest. Um, and then, you know, he stepped down in his uh, previous, uh, the previous CEO um, really focused a lot less on capital infrastructure. And so part of uh, Southwest quirkiness um, is when they, you know, you may get on a Southwest flight and that flight is one uh, plane that's going between seven different stops during that day. And you're just on one leg of the plane and you may have to get off and get on another plane to go to the other stop that you're looking for and so on. Um, but this kind of is very different from Delta or United, who if you're trying to fly through United or Delta, you may have to go through Atlanta or Chicago, which are their hubs. Southwest, it's basically these short haul flights uh, throughout the country. So why that is good is it allows them to target some of these smaller areas without having to go through a, a big hub and scope spoke model. But it also creates a logistics nightmare of, you know, if this plane doesn't show up in Houston at, you know, 3 PM, I have to have another plane ready because there are people in Houston that need to get on a plane to go from Houston to 
New Mexico, right? Or, you know, wherever their, their, their destination is. So ultimately this creates kind of a, um, a problem. If, if you have a giant snowstorm that hits the country, um, especially during a very busy travel season, like, uh, the Christmas holidays, which happened, you know, a month ago at this point. Um, and so what ends up happening is planes that were supposed to be in different locations are no longer there. You have pilots all stacked up in, you know, the cities that they live in. They can't get to the destination they were supposed to because they were, you know, stuck in the snowstorm. And so you have this mismatch of uh, airplanes in one place, pilots in another. You know, you have your flight attendants also not available to you. Um, and and because of all of this, their software could just could not handle all of the load because they fly so many thousands of flights and they, they ended up having to cancel close to 20,000 flights as a result of it uh, during this, you know, outage. So you can imagine there's a lot of people that were really, because uh, other airlines had outages, but they weren't nearly as bad as this one. Um, and so this all stemmed from, you know, a, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. I'll, I'll, I'll stop there to just say that, you know, we've kind of set ourselves up for a, 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 a you know, fairly significant um, problem because there are a lot of people who may not, you know, Southwest always had this reputation uh, of being, you know, the friendly skies and all of this stuff. Um, actually, that friendly sky one was Delta, but um, that just tells you how bad the marketing is. Um, well, but yeah. the real the real problem here is what happens to their customers? Are they going to come back? And then we'll talk about a little more other issues that we're going to run into. Yeah. You know, I, I think that when I think about Southwest, I think about love, right? The, I mean, I, I think there are two things that stand out to me when I think about Southwest. It is the operational efficiency that you don't see. I mean, this is famous Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger's quote. When you go into airline business, you're going into it expecting that you're going to lose a lot of money and your the margins are going to be very, very thin. Right. And so Southwest, when I look at them versus other airlines, what stands out to me is number one, they're the different model. Like you talked about there, instead of hub and spoke, it's a shorter travel it's a shorter timeline. Therefore you don't have to have all these different planes and all these different types of pilots that can fly these different planes and different, um, you know, different hubs and things like that. It's a very short hop. You know, when I first experienced Southwest when I was in high school, I rode Southwest for the first time in high school because it was a cheaper option. It reminded me of going and taking a bus, like a Greyhound bus or something like that, because it feels yep. just like it. When you show up, it's like there isn't an assigned seat. You just walk in and sit wherever you want. And it's just like a bus. You go and, you know, it's like two hours and then you get off and then you get on another one. And all of this, all, all this to say, it, it, I think when I think about Southwest, it's, it's about this new model that they were really able to innovate on. But the problem is, and, and maybe there, this is a terrible analogy, but I'm just going to say it. It's just like through COVID, how we got to understand as a society, the fragility of just-in-time delivery and just-in-time manufacturing. This perhaps is an analogy in the airline industry of just-in-time arrival, and then everything else cascades downward from there. If one yep. thing in the domino falls, I mean, the whole thing falls. The downstream consequence of one single airplane not showing up, there is a, I'm sure they have built in some redundancy there, 
but yeah. to what extent? So I, I think um, I, I think uh, I think about that. And another thing I think about when I think about Southwest is the culture, like you mentioned. I mean, their ticker symbol I think is LUV, right? Love. Yep. And their main kind of HQ in Dallas, they have uh, Dallas has an airport called Love Field, and I think mm -hmm. that is funded by Southwest. So there's this whole culture around Southwest, and people love it. I personally really like it. Um, but let's let's jump right into the earnings because this this meltdown happened over la over the last quarter, and let's actually get into some of the numbers before we talk about what is what is the long term repercussion of this. We'll talk about that in a bit. So, Hart, can you walk us through? The, the, the recent earnings that they just announced yesterday. <clears throat> yeah. So what we had with uh, Southwest is, you know, this has been a profitable airline for the last 20 years, 20 plus years. Um, not super profitable, but, um, you know, in the last five to 10 years, they've actually been done a great job of maintaining profitability and so forth. So they're, you know, this quarter has been somewhat of a disaster because of all of the things that we already had talked about, about them having to, uh, um, you know, cancel a bunch of flights. But in order for them to also maintain good cut relationships with customers, they're giving away a bunch of free flights. So they're going to be adding a bunch of liabilities onto the balance sheet because these are flights that haven't been taken, but they have owed to people. Right. Um, so when we actually look at their uh, things, one of the funny things about how uh, Seeking Alpha kind of presents information is uh, they talk about things based on purely on the analysts way, you know, expectation versus what was actually occurring. But putting that aside for a moment, <clears throat> you know, everything looks somewhat deceptively good for Southwest when you consider their revenue was up 22%. But then going back to a year, look at, remember, this was tw beginning of 2022 uh, when there was still a, a very large COVID overhang, right? And flying had not been something that had picked up, you know, in a significant way still, right? So this, they're coming off of a very low set of expectations to begin with. Uh, so, you know, they have a, <clears throat> large earnings per share miss um, uh, as a result of this press release or uh, as a result of this earnings call. So what I, you know, in my kind of um, mindset, you know, whenever we start talking about these kind of earnings and things like that, you have to really start digging into what is actually the underlying uh, factors. Is this a one-time problem that Southwest is going to have? Is this going to be an ongoing issue that um, is going to cause problems going forward, right? So we've already identified several issues. One is they have a giant liability that they're giving people free flights, right? So this is revenue that's potentially in the future that they could have booked because people would have been flying. They're giving it away for free because they have to make up for you know this, right? So that is something that is going out into the future. Two we haven't addressed our technical problem here, right? Which is the software that they use to schedule all these flights um, is 20 years out of date, right? According to, you know, reports that I've read and, 
uh, people that I know who worked at Southwest or currently work at Southwest um, is a big problem. But the, you know, I, what I, one thing I would say about that is we don't know how much it's going to cost for them to invest in infrastructure. But one of the things that they've done over the last 20 years is put less money into that software. We don't know how much it costs, but they were essentially allowed to juice their profits a little bit, bit by, by not investing in the infrastructure uh, side of the house. So, and then I'll, I'll share one more um, aspect of this um, that has me a lot more worried um, than even the, the stuff that we've been doing, which is Southwest uh, air, airline pilots are all uh, in a union, right? And when we, we discussed Southwest last time, we never thought there would be a problem with their union, with their uh, employees, or with their customers, right? But now they've created two big threats, um, you know, uh, to, you know, and that's part of our checklist. So I'll, if you uh, if you don't have a copy of our checklist, I'd encourage you to go to um, valueinvestor.org, uh, sign up for our uh, newsletter, get a copy of the checklist, review um, everything there, and then you can follow along as we talk about it uh, when we're reviewing uh, companies. Um, and it would also be a great time if you want to talk about a company like Southwest, you can sign up for our community uh, as well uh, and have more discussions because um, Becco and I will be on the community later today, uh, having a lot more conversations about this after this uh, podcast goes up. But Southwest Pilots Union is calling for a potential strike. Um, and I think one of the biggest complaints that they have is, um, you know, obviously the infrastructure that was uh, somewhat uh, problematic, they ended up, the software failed, and then they started trying to book uh, pilots and flight attendants to uh, various flights using the phone. And so this this creates a, a giant nightmare because n nobody on the phone is going to be able to actually book them in, right? Um, but if this strike uh, is an ongoing problem, you know, Southwest is going to be grounding flights not only in, you know, regions, but it could be grounding flights across the country. Um, and that to me is a very, very worrisome thing. But on top of this, one of the ways Southwest could easily cave to their pilots is to pay them a lot more money. And, and if they do that, then, um, you know, that's another part of this, you know, operating expense that could, uh, significantly hurt them. Mm -hmm. So I'll pause there, Becco. I mean, what do you, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think, um, you can go ahead and take down the screen. All right. Yeah. I would say, I think the, the thing that is interesting to me about this is because of this meltdown, you now has you, you now were able to surface some of these holes in the operating model of the business, right? There is obviously some redundancy that needs to be that that needs to be baked into the cake with Southwest, the uh, the scheduling and the flight management and all of that. And then there is also this element of underspending on the tech. And, you know, the CEO came out and said that they're going to invest a billion dollars in the software infrastructure. By the way, I am able to get a glimpse, okay? Uh, you, you and I both spent most of our career working on software for big hospital systems, building software, being in the startup tech space. Fine. There is a lot of new innovation that's happening there. But something that 
I think that I underestimated, and I only recently was able to really appreciate this, was my partner, she works at EY, and she gets to work with big Fortune 500, Fortune 50, Fortune 10 companies, okay? And they're SAP and Oracle and, you know, all these big, you know, ERP systems, CRM systems. It is puzzling to me how they're able to, how anything exists at all, because you look at these systems and it's, it's like, it's so archaic. It's, it's yeah. very old. It's, it's really old. And there is this thriving business of selling software like SAP, for example, for them to spin up like a one virtual machine in their cloud, it takes six months. Okay. And so yeah. like you, you have all these fortune 500 companies that are building their business on top of these infrastructures. And, and you, you have to wonder like, how does, how does, how does, how do things exist at all? And I think this is no, no different. You have an organization that built their entire business on an old technology and, and I, a technology, I mean, digital technology, and there's going to be holes like this. And in times of stress, this is where your system gets to actually see how resilient and how well well, uh, well built it is. And so I think that's one thing that, um, that's one thing, that's kind of one, one comment I'd make there. I'm excited to see, I guess now would be a good time to kind of pivot into the future. What does this actually mean for you and me? I'm excited to see this $1 billion investment. You got all of these, you know, um, pressure to the downside. Okay. As, as, as a lot of good leaders do, you have to take advantage of the crisis to come out at the other end, at the other end, triumphant. What does that look like? What does that tunnel look like? Where is it going? And what is this transition period going to look like? And how long is it going to take all these big sort of questions? And so let's, let's, why don't we start with Hari, can you run us through the income statement and balance sheet and that sort of stuff? <clears throat> Yeah, let's take a look at. So just to so you all know, uh, Becco and I run a um, also provide a database of all companies um, and their financial statements um, on db.valueinvestor.org. But if you go to valueinvestor.org, you can click in uh, to the database and you'll get there. Um, and you can just type in LUV and get to Southwest Airlines. Um, and on there we have, um, you know, this is all uh, in, uh, for free. You have 20 years of, um, or actually at this point, it's uh, 30 years of uh, the Southwest Airlines income statement, balance sheet, uh, and cash flow, all easily um, readable and in, um, in a, you know, a nice tabular format. Um, but you can actually see from going back all the way till 1992 till the present day in 2019, their revenue kind of peaked at 22 billion right before COVID start. And then they took a huge hit because obviously in 2020, nobody was really traveling. Um, and they took a huge loss during that period. Um, and, you know, they had a giant, you know, negative earnings per share during that time. But one of the things that uh, kind of really stands out during that time period was they heavily in increased their debt load to um, essentially to pay off. Um, they took PPP loans, but they also took bank loans 
Um, and they had to, uh, as a result of that from the government, those loans, um, they had to suspend their um, share buyback. So, you know, one of the biggest concerns that I have with that is if you look at, and if you looked at our entire investment thesis going back um, to the original uh, investment, was shares outstanding at Southwest Airlines from 1990, uh, well, let's say 2005, roughly it peaked at 800 million shares. And then they steadily bought back shares over the next you know, 15, 16 years uh, at, to a low of 525 million shares. Um, and then they actually sold shares during the COVID years to kind of prop up the balance sheet, get some cash uh, in. So they actually, you know, um, increased their share count. But one of the biggest benefits to Southwest Airlines is these airlines never got a very large price to earnings multiple. And because of that, their share count was, um, or their share price was low enough that any cash that they were using to buy back shares was bought back at a very reasonable price. Uh, and so they were able to retire a giant number of shares. So if you actually looked at their net income growth, it didn't look as appealing as their earnings per share growth because they had a, you know, they were also reducing the share count at the same time. So one of the big pillars of our investment thesis was if they continue to reduce the share count over time, you as an investor are going to get fairly large earnings per share growth or free cash flow growth. Uh, but they've had to suspend that um, because they have these loans and they have guarantees inside the loans with the government that they wouldn't use any of this cash for share buybacks for a significant period of time. Um, so this kind of rocks our investment thesis. Obviously, COVID was kind of a an event that you know nobody really anticipated, um, but, it, but well, it happened and so yeah. it caused this problem. Yeah. Let me let me let me pose this question to you, Hari. During the obviously, let's let's talk about buyback for a second. Buyback CEO's job is good capital allocation. When your yep. stock price is valued tremendously high, like it was during the COVID days, because the zero interest rate policy. By the way, it's kind of crazy to think about all of these ramifications that we see right now, not just in Southwest, but everywhere else, a lot of it is downstream of loose monetary fiscal policy. Anyway, that point aside, loose monetary fiscal policy during COVID times, stock market and everything else, asset prices across the board just shoots to the moon, right? Yep. Okay, so you have a stock price, when you're running this company and you have your stock price at just sky high, isn't it, isn't it a better idea to don't buy your, your shares because it's so out, outrageously mispriced and, and because the debt is cheap right now, if you get, if you're able to get some fixed loans for long, you know, long durated bonds, uh, wouldn't you, wouldn't you do, wouldn't you do that instead, instead of the buyback? So if yeah i mean if you're proposing to take on you know put in debt because it's it's free cash right at some point right you're going to i mean under certain terms right debt by in, in and of itself isn't necessarily bad if the terms are in your favor right so one of the terms would be interest rates the the second term is going to be 
the length of the the bond, right? So if you look at JC Penny and Sears, they they signed like bonds that were in the 50 and 60 year time frame at very very low interest rates. Not a big deal, right? Because you're just basically paying interest and at the end of that you're going to have to pay off the entire amount, mm-hmm. right? Southwest um took loans from the government though. And these one of these the big provisions in that loan was that they couldn't use that for buybacks. And so that to me was was the day that I was I, I said, I don't know why they would do this because now as as an investor, my investment thesis is Southwest is going to have a lot of extra free cash flow, excess free cash flow that they don't need to use for capital reinvestment. And at the time I thought their infrastructure would be fine and that they could then use that money for buybacks. And and the end result is now they can't do the buybacks and they have a larger capital expense than I was expecting. So now what do I do, right? Like as an investor, this is not as valuable as it used to be, right? That That is kind of my concern about a business like this. Hmm. Yeah, a, a business like this, right? Towards when you are kind of low growth, more mature industry and business, as an investor, you want to look at, okay, where is the, where is that last squeeze? It's mo- it mostly comes back to the buybacks at the mature stage of the business, because you don't want them to be plowing capital back into the business to eke out three, four, 5% return, whatever. Um, the buyback is kind of a central, central theme in some of these companies. I do wonder, I do wonder though, that it, it that it might be a temporary thing and then going back to, you know, two, three years, and then maybe they'll pivot into the old strategy here. Um, that to me, that's a question mark because I, I don't think that it, I, I think that it is worth considering their pivot in the strategy um, and coming out of the COVID. They're going to invest a ton of money into IT infrastructure. They're going to take care of this stuff that's, arose because of this issue over the holidays okay let's get through this and then six seven months down the road when things are back to normal and the cash flow is is generating and you can pay down the loan what do you what else do you do with the money to me it's it's a it's a it's a matter of a timeline when is it going to actually turn things around when are when are when is the the executives going to, you know, implement, implement, um, some of these policies and different, you know, business strategies to actually turn this thing around. I don't know. I think two, three years, a year, I'm not sure, but I think the buyback is still in the picture. Don't you think? Eventually. Yeah. Whenever the terms of that loan expire, that allows them to do, uh, to do go back to the buyback. My concern right now is Southwest share price has not really budged a whole lot since we saw all of these cancellations there aren't after their earnings call yesterday, their pre-market stuff is like down maybe 3%. So there is a little bit of benefit, but I, I'm not seeing a huge kind of, um, you know, like that this is a screaming buy because they, they need to be, you know, if we look at it, they're they're trading about ten times earnings, which is what their historical average has been. If if you had told me they were trading at maybe five times earnings, I would be a lot more, you know, interested, right? 
And the reason is that Southwest is never going to trade at 20, 25 earnings like some of these other companies have. And especially in a higher interest rate environment, I don't think it's going to, they're going to get suddenly a change, right? So Southwest is kind of range bound in terms of the PE ratio that they'll look through. And, and so as a result of that, I'm not, I'm not going to get <clears throat> super um, excited by any sort of business deal until I see what's going to happen with the pilots union, you know, what's the long-term consequences, what's the infrastructure things that they're going to look like. All of those things I could get behind if the share price came down, I would be a lot less concerned, right? But here, everything kind of has to work out well for them you know, with, you know, they have very little room for any one of these things to go badly for them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in my mind. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Good observation. And then also just a few days ago, there was this reporting from Wall Street Journal about the DOT, Department of Transportation suit, uh, probe Southwest Airlines. I'll just read the headlines and share my screen here. Department of Transportation probes Southwest Airlines scheduling after holiday travel meltdown. Southwest says it will cooperate with requests from government officials. The claim is that they overbooked. uh, And the quote here is that, where is it? Um, Deceptive deceptive practice. Where was it? Here here we go. Southwest engaged, allegedly, this is what the Department of uh, Department of Transportation is, is looking into. Southwest engaged in an unfair and deceptive practice by offering an unrealistic schedule. So that's also kind of a looming thing that's going to be a hang uh, that's going to hang over them for a little while. So just something to kind of think about there. All right. I think that was a good, good, thorough discussion. And as Hari mentioned, if you guys want to continue the conversation, uh, definitely check out our valueinvestor.org community. Uh, if you go to our website, valueinvestor.org, you'll see, you'll see a link to join our community. Definitely check us out there. And like Hari mentioned, we have a lot of free resources on our website. So we have our commentary on the blog post. We have uh, the database that Hari was sharing. So we have historical data that's go goes back 20, 30 years for some of these companies. And it's a fundamental, you know, financial statement data for all of these companies in the fortune 500 S&P 500, all these different companies in the public market. Those are all free. Just check us out at valueinvestor.org. You'll see it there. All right. Uh, I think that kind of wraps things up for us. Uh, any last comments? All right. <clears throat> no, I think, uh, you know, we would really like it if you, you know, uh, check us out on the web and uh, interact with us because that's how you we can um, find out what what kind of things you want to learn about, what companies that you want to do. If you're on our community, you can participate in some of our polls where um, we'll we'll um, ask your guys' opinion on what uh, companies you want to see next, what things you're talking about, um, so that can drive you know, our conversations here on the podcast. So we'd really like for you to check things out. Um, come visit with us and, um, you know, make grow this community. Great. And uh, like all YouTubers say, I'll just gonna, I'm just going to say it. I know it's a little bit cringy, but subscribe, like, and comment. Yes. <laughs> all right. Do it. Um, that's it for us. Thank you guys for joining us. I'll see you guys next week. All right. Oh, thanks. Bye.
Bye.